We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe Pizapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. It's Monday morning. It's time to Monday morning quarterback. And uh, my favorite offensive coordinator, who, you know, more offensive, right? Or maybe not. You know, <laughs> well, he might be feeling a little defensive after a tough Green Bay loss that he had to watch in person nonetheless. I mean, it's a tough day for Joe Bartle, but you know what? He's a man. He's an anchor man, and he's here anyway. Joe, how the hell are you today? Yeah, you, you just power through those things. Uh, I feel like we open every podcast with, hey, the Packers didn't lose this this uh, this weekend. Either they were off on a bye week or they were playing a, <laughs> on a Thursday or Sunday. So at least next week I can open that podcast saying the same thing because, hey, we get to watch the Packers get their ass kicked on Monday Night Football. Who can't wait for that? That's going to be great. There you go. See, it's always good to look at the positives of things. And we're going to look at the positives and we're going to fly through because we've got a lot to get to today on the show. We've got uh, the classic Thanksgiving Day slate to the Thursday only to talk about. We will talk Monday, Thursday. But before we move on, let's recap what we saw in most of Sunday on week 11. Let's start with the quarterbacks and uh, let's start with Drew Brees, who I got to tell you, you know, I did not see this one coming for him. It was a great opportunity. Finally, the the Drew Brees <laughs> dome version that we've been waiting for all year, 385, two touchdowns. I mean, I wasn't on Brees. I, I, one of my radio partners was. Uh, Joe, did this, find, did this shock you, basically? Because we've been waiting for this all year, and it just hasn't come out. Exactly. That, I, don't, I wouldn't call it shocking uh, because we know what Drew Brees is capable of. We know what that Saints offense is capable of. But I was surprised to see it happen, given that both Ingram and Kamara also had really good games. I think that offense is incredible, that Saints offense. So it's going to be one of those situations when the Saints and Eagles square off in the NFC playoffs that we're going to see the immovable object versus, you know, whatever else, that, that old analogy that everyone likes to use, like it's a retread at this point. I, I'm excited to see that. I think that the Saints offense is just incredible. 
I was stunned to see Breeze throw for 385 and two touchdowns, though, given the running backs and how well they did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom Brady, obviously uh, outstanding as well. Uh, Brady, 339, three touchdowns. He basically just manhandled that Oakland team, which I think everybody needs to realize how overrated Oakland was coming into this year and maybe even how overrated they were last year. I mean, that team just got obliterated. That was a, a joke of a game. <clears throat> Kirk Cousins on the other end, 322 and three touchdowns. Now, this was an important game for me because I'm a Cousins guy. I like Cousins and Daly especially because he's always cheap. Uh, he always is going to throw the ball, so the attempts is always going to be on a higher plane. You can just lock in, you know, somewhere around 35 for the most part. So the three touchdown, no interception performance against that Saints defense on the road, very encouraging for me. Case Keenum continues to get it done. Now it wasn't a great fantasy performance, but uh, over on the ones that were maybe one more surprising one, one more to throw out there. Um, I mean, Blaine Gabbert's three touchdowns. If you decided to throw a Blaine Gabbert lineup out there, not bad, 257, three touchdowns. Now he did throw the two picks, but still, it's Blaine Gabbert, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a special place in hell for, for somebody that hates themselves <laughs> so much that they play Blaine Gabbert in their DFS lineup. I know the Texans haven't been great defensively, but um, I would have never played Blaine Gabbert. And I guess kudos to the person, probably one person, like a single person that did that. Uh, I hope it worked out for you. <laughs> but, I mean, we learned that it's not necessarily that you need to pay up in other spots. There's a lot of cheap receivers and running backs that have been going off, particularly running backs. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not – yeah, I mean, good to that one person that paid up for – You know, and you made a statement there, you know, that bad Texans defense, which, you know, we've all been, you know, programmed to think about how good the Texans defense is. But you know what? Last year they had Boye, and he's gone. And where is he now? And how's that defense? So you want to talk about maybe how good a player is that, you know, we don't really appreciate as much as we should at the time he's in a certain spot. How about that guy right there? Uh, the bad performances of the weekend, too. You know, everyone thought Marcus Mariota was bad, and then Nate Peterman said, hey, wait, hold my beer. <laughs> Let me go out there and show you what I got. Uh, five picks for Nathan Peterman. You think this was the wrong call, start, you know, starting him over Tyrod Taylor? You think? He didn't even say the best stat. Five picks in the first half. Oh, you're right. You're right. Five picks in the first four half. four quarters. This is, this is true. This is true. I, I, I'm, I was a Tyrod Taylor believer both in DFS but really in season long. So in a couple leagues I had to drop him. And I never understood the decision why. I mean, I don't know why Tyrod Taylor got the benching after the Bills allowed 500 rushing yards in the previous two weeks. And I certainly don't understand why they played a rookie quarterback who really didn't have a great profile coming out of college against possibly the most fearsome pass rush in all the NFL. I personally believe that to be the case in Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And lo and behold, they absolutely destroyed him. So I don't – that was – a mind-bogglingly dumb decision of all the weird things that have happened in the NFL this year, I might chalk it up as the dumbest one that has occurred this season. And that's really saying something, you know? It is. It's really saying something. And Deshaun Kaiser always likes to have something to say about it, too. He likes to get involved in the turnovers as well. But uh, I think we all know better about that. But there were definitely some Peterman lineups out there, I'm sure of it. People go, I'm going to get fancy in a tournament. I'm going to start Nathan Peterman. Well, it didn't work out very well. Let's get over to uh, – the running back position, Mark Ingram, another huge week, 134 for a touchdown. Jordan Howard and Samaji Piran, those are two games I did not see coming. I mean, we all expect the volume for Howard, and that was um, a fantastic performance. But, you know, Piran really took advantage of that Thompson injury, and uh, he got 23 carries, and he made the most of it, and he had a big day. The question is, Joe, do you think any Piran love carries over now into the next week without Thompson again? 
Well, that's the question that I'm left wondering, too. Even with Kirk Cousins, what does he look like now that he has his favorite, really offensive weapon now out for at least multiple games? I honestly think it'll be the majority of the season, but uh, for at least multiple games, I'm curious to see how that offense will revolve. I mean, he got over 20 carries. He's listed at 7,600 on the Thursday-only slate, uh, going against the Giants squad that, besides this Chiefs game, which I know you're going to be down about, and we can hear you rant and rave about that. Uh, <laughs> the Giants have stunk all year, and that's not, I mean, that's not really a surprise at this point. So 7,600 in a three-game slate, that's an interesting play for me. I don't mind it, honestly, but you also have guys like Latavius Murray or, or, Latavius Murray or Orleans Darkwell also going on. That's a whole bunch of value at that spot if you want to use Piron. I'm, I'm a little hesitant. He's a 1,000 more than Murray. I'm a little hesitant to go that route. Yeah, well, you know, Murray's been so touchdown dependent that it's it's you know it gets a little tricky there. Um, wait, we're talking about Latavius Murray, or we're talking about yeah, another, Latavius. Yeah, Murray. okay. Yeah. Oh, not not Latavius Murray. I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking Demarco Murray's been touchdown dependent. Right. But oh, you know yeah. what? Let's talk about Latavius Murray because I know we're talking about Thursday, and you know, we know the teams that always play now uh, every single year. We could get into that discussion later to that should change <laughs> at some point. But Latavius Murray was a guy that John and I talked about at length. And uh, he did play well again. So that was another plus for us on the Friday show. Um, also, I also want to give a shout out to you too. You, you nailed the Cam Newton uh, performance last week when we were talking about the Monday, Thursday slate. So I, I hope you, uh, you were laughing all the way to the bank on that one, Joe, because that was uh, fantastic. I did not have the guts to do it. You did. <laughs> well done, sir. Um, the other performances, LaShawn McCoy was a lock with, and he was a lock again, just, as we expected there, 13 for 114 and a touchdown. We had the two touchdowns for Dante Foreman, which I don't think anybody saw coming as well. And then you had, you know, Todd Gurley yet again, you know, getting in the end zone. That's what Todd Gurley does. And other than that, I mean, a lot of disappointments. Kareem Hunt, I think, was a disappointment. Um, you know, Fournette, oh, yeah. was, Fournette was good with the 111 yards, but again, no touchdowns. Basically, it was kind of just a blah week for running backs. I mean, Kamara was pretty good in terms of all-purpose. That's what you're looking for out of him. But really, running back was kind of disappointing. Let's go over to the receiving leaders of the week before we hit the defensive uh, stunners. Uh, look, Kenny Stills, I mean yeah. – <laughs> Well, how about the Miami offense as a whole? I mean, also Jarvis Landry. Well, Jarvis Landry. You are Landry. That's true. Landry was our pick of the week. Like, Landry was another one of our lock guys. Like, I I didn't have a lineup that didn't have Jarvis Landry in it. And the reason is because if you remember, like, the 2015 version of Eric Decker where every week he was just double-digit points, whether he was scoring a touchdown or just getting volume, that's what Landry's become this year. So he, to me, is like that perfect lineup builder, mid-range wide receiver. But Kenny Stills has had himself a couple huge games in this one, and now – with Cutler and concussion protocol, what are your thoughts on Stills? Is he back in our conscious again? I still think Matt Moore is the better quarterback of the two, so I'm fine with it. And I thought that we, we saw that really in the second half of that game. Now, obviously, it's tough because that Buccaneers defense, we all know at this point how god-awful they are. And I really was expecting more Devontae Parker, and we didn't see that when Matt Moore came in. I wonder if it's not more Stills so long as Moore is playing, and then we go back to the Devontae Parker train as a second kind of Dolphins receiver to use one Cutler's back because, God, he can only throw to a tall receiver, it feels like, despite the fact that I know that you're talking about Jarvis Landry doing well. I think that it might be a little bit more stills when Moore is quarterback, and we don't know yet if that will be the case. But honestly, 36-, 37-year-old guy with a concussion, I'm anticipating that Cutler's out at least one game, right? I would imagine so. I mean, Keenan Allen, 12 for 159, two touchdowns. He was only like 4% owned. I mean, that in the major tournaments, that is another shocker. Did you shocker. play at all? 
Did no, you- and I did not get to see a lot of that game. I had to get stuck watching a lot of uh, – well, I was watching the Patriots in the 4 o'clock hour, and I was watching – Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, in the 1 o'clock hour, the other games. Uh, the, uh, Allen the, looked I good. Stuck with like, the Giants. <laughs> his, his cuts and his – I mean, the yards after catch, that's kind of where Keenan made a lot of his bones when he was healthy. And I know that's a, that's a big if and when because he never really has been healthy for the last two years. But he had some moves that he put on those defenders that I was like, oh, man, you know he's back. Now, I don't anticipate Allen getting the same kind of targets – and really red zone stuff that he got this week. At the same time, though, that I feel pretty good. You talk about Eric Decker as a guy that you can feel confident. Allen's not going to get touchdowns, but he gets a lot of targets, and he's still going to get a lot of yards, too. All right, also Adam Thielen, 5 for 123 and a touchdown. Thielen continues to just be a wide receiver one. I mean, we, we keep talking about it every week. He's a wide receiver one. He's a top guy, you know, and people still seem to have a hard time wrapping their mind around it. But that's good because let him continue to have the ownership be low. You know, everyone was concerned about their matchup with the Rams. Guess Is what? he matchup proof? That's uh, my that was my next too. question. I was going to say, I think he's matchup proof. Joe, what do you think? <laughs> I, I, I didn't think that this week. I thought the Rams defense, maybe I put too much stock into that team as a whole. I knew better as a football fan to know the Rams aren't actually this good of a team. I understand where their record is, but I also can look at their schedule and say, yeah, they haven't really beat that many good teams. This was the case against the Vikings. I didn't think that he would do as well as he did against that Rams defense. But I also agree with you at this point, he's beginning to trend as a matchup proof kind of guy. And that's really kind of concerning to me because you put him in the likes of DeAndre Hopkins or even Mike Evans. And you're like, no way. But he's outperforming those guys each and every week, even with Hopkins getting 37 targets per game. Thielen's still getting up there in yardage and touchdowns. I think that he's matchup proof as well. And I've learned my lesson. That's for certain. Now we have to talk about Travis Kelsey because the Giants have given up a touchdown in t- tight end in every single game this year, but not Travis Kelsey. He did have 109 yards receiving and eight catches. That's terrific. However, no touchdown for Kelsey. So did that, I mean, that I kind of want to say it, it makes him a bust this week. <laughs> Would I do you too. Agree? Okay. And honestly, it was the interception that he threw. I don't know if you saw that play. Oh yeah. He, oh no. He threw an interception <laughs> and that, that's, that came into big play as far as getting double the value for your play there. Well, it's like a, I it's think, like a nine point swing, no touchdown and a pick, you know, exactly. it's all, no, you got like, you know, it's like a seven, eight point swing there. I think that given the expectations for him and kind of how everyone, not just you guys on Friday, but everyone was talking about how great of a play he would be. He didn't really hit that mark. And if you kind of went anywhere else at tight end uh, that were actually like good options, obviously, I'm thinking like a Vernon Davis, even Tyler Croft caught a touchdown against that in that Bengals Broncos game. Any one of those would have made a big difference because then you could have went a number of different directions at running back or receiver instead of paying up for that Kelsey play at tight end. One more receiver to talk about Cooks and Brady looked oh so good and the timing and the touch and everything they look so locked in on this game now you know when cooks is able to blow past some of the slower corners in the league he i mean he becomes a real matchup problem and the way that rex burkhead has really sort of i think he's taken over the missing julian edelman role in that offense right now and forget danny amendola it's burkhead that's been able to do and to me, it's, you know, with him and Deion Lewis and what they're doing there, it's really opening things up and it's making people kind of come up closer, closer. And the next thing you know, Cooks is burning by people on single and in double coverage. And that's something to keep an eye on in the future. Uh, Birdie was, uh, ter- again, just, you know, to watch that man play quarterback is just stunning. And, and in a year where we have a lot of quarterbacks like Luck, like Rogers not playing and some other quarterbacks who've been disappointing, uh, that's... You know, you're going to miss him when he's gone, football fans. I don't care if you yeah. hate the Patriots. You're going to miss seeing what that kind of greatness at quarterback looks like. Uh, the last one to talk about defense, I, we got to talk about the Chargers. The 25-point yeah. Charger defense, the return on a $4,300 investment. 
I mean, I, they were 22% owned in this tournament. I, I, you know, I, I understood why people wanted to troll the rookie, but even so, 25, I think, that even had to blow other people's expectations out of the water. Right, exactly. I mean, you guys actually talked about how you didn't want to pay up for uh, defenses, and I thought that was ridiculous with the Jaguars being at 5,600 oh. against the Browns. That one, that one felt like easy money to me, so I didn't understand what the play was on Friday. But then you – John was on the Baltimore Ravens defense, which kudos to him that RIP my love for the Packers. I get that, but I, I didn't anticipate that kind of bomb that Hunley put up. But the Chargers defense also I thought was interesting that you guys didn't mention on Friday. Not to point it out, but just that, I mean, Nate Peterman is not that good of a quarterback. We all knew that. We all knew that. We also knew that if nothing else, the Chargers were going to get sacks. I didn't anticipate all those turnovers, but the sacks to me sound, that felt like easy money too. So um, I feel good about using them most weeks, truthfully. As a defense, I think that two or three sacks and they get close to that double value that you're looking for the defense. No, you're right, man. You're absolutely 100% right, Joe. And, and I'll tell you what, that Pats defense too is starting to do that thing that they do, which is Every they create year. turnovers and they bend, don't break, and they're starting to round into form after a dreadful start. All right, let's go and start with the Monday-Thursday slate. So this is so stick with us, kids. Get ready. Get your pens and pencils out <laughs> or your iPads, whatever the hell you're going to write on. Or your, get, your, get your stylus. Get your stylus out and start writing on your stylus. Uh, Seattle's hosting Atlanta. Minnesota, Detroit, if you're going to play Monday-Thursday, that's the way the slate breaks down here. So you have the quarterbacks here. You got Wilson. You got Stafford. You got Keenum and Matt Ryan. Now, I can understand playing it safe with Russell Wilson, but on the flip side of this one, at 7,400, with the way Seattle's, you know, no Richard Sherman, the other injuries that they've sustained recently on that defense, is there an opportunity here for Matt Ryan to be the play here? I mean, That's really. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. The only concern isn't so much that secondary, uh, isn't so much that Matt Ryan, well, this season for the most part hasn't done well, but he's done well lately. It's that I wonder how they'll be able to play in Seattle. I mean, that's a tough stadium as it is to play in, and I think that on a Monday night, too, they're going to even more uh, – frothing at the mouth, so to speak, that fan base. So I, I wonder if that's going to be a difficult play. But you're right. With Richard Sherman out, with Earl Thomas Limited, with Cam Chancellor likely out for the season two, that's not the Legion of Boom. That's the Legion of, uh, okay. And I don't – I mean, like, I know it's just – I feel good about a 7,400 price tag. The only thing I would wonder is, who are you paying up for otherwise? Like, are you going to go receiver? You want to play Doug Baldwin and not have Russell Wilson in your lineup? That's where I get well, concerned. That and that makes sense, too. I mean, I, I would want, you know – I mean, you could you could fade Doug Baldwin from it, which I think is a tricky thing to do, you know. And you could go with Thielen and an underpriced Julio Jones, and you can make that work pretty darn easily. I mean, because especially on the tight end side, if you don't want to pay up for Jimmy Graham, you just want to throw a flyer on Austin Hooper or something like that. All of a sudden, boom, there's your lineup. I mean, it's very easy to do. So it really becomes a combination of which one you believe in. And let but let's since we're talking about wide receiver, let's go there and then we'll go back to running backs. I think Thielen is hard to get out of any lineup right now. I really, you know, I mean, imagine Slay is probably on Diggs and not Thielen. Uh, would nah, you agree see, with I that? disagree. I you think, think Slay is going to be on Thielen. I think he's gotten to that point. And you talked about on the Friday podcast that you thought the Diggs was limited, and I agree with you. If you watch that game, it's just something doesn't seem right. He's not as explosive as a receiver. No, he's not 100%. He's right. just not. I think that there's – they're NFL scouts for a reason. I think they probably spotted the same thing that you and I have spotted as well. And Slay's a top-notch cornerback. I really think that he's going to be on Thielen as opposed to Diggs. All right. So if that's the case, then, then you, I mean, you could still, because it's only the two games, I mean, you could still get away with Baldwin and not play Russell Wilson if you expect that Russell Wilson has, I mean, I guess it, let's go down to break it ain't down by 
tournament or a cash game. I mean, yeah. if it's a cash game, you probably want Russell Wilson in there with Baldwin. And if it's a tournament, are you willing to basically roll out Matt Ryan? Or is it even – maybe it's even unnecessary to take the chance with Matt Ryan at this point. I mean, just Russell – I like Stafford at 8,100 too. I think that's an interesting play. Even I know the Vikings defense is what it is. I get that. I think that for the Lions to move the ball, it has to be Stafford. And I anticipate that game being competitive, especially given both are in the hunt for the NFC North and playoffs. So I think that Stafford at 8,100 is okay. I still go Matt Ryan, and I'll even go down further on the tournament chart. Mohamed Sanu really seems like an interesting name to me at 5,800 if we're looking at a third receiver to put in there. I know Julio Jones is super underpriced to me. He's an automatic play. But Sanu, I think that that adds a different element to that defense. And if they're all going to be concerned about Jones, then Sanu has to be wide open given all the different injuries that are occurring in that secondary for the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, I can't argue with that factor for sure. Let's talk about the running backs too. Uh, Latavius Murray, 6,800. McKinnon, 7K. With the way things are going right now, the way they're running this offense, I don't know. It's starting to feel like the tide is turning away from McKinnon and a little bit more towards Latavius Murray. I mean, 15 for 95 and two touchdowns, that's a lot. You know, he's, he's, getting, the, I mean, he's getting the carries. He really is. He's getting the carries. He's getting the goal line carries too. So at this point, I think we all have to recognize the last two weeks that there's a shift there theoretically in what they're trying to do. And, you know, good for Murray. He's looked good. And I've been a guy that's killed Latavius Murray in the past, but maybe there's a spot where maybe that Oakland line just wasn't nearly that good. And now that he's gone and we see what's left, they can't seem to run the ball either. I agree with you. I, I'm happy to – well, not happy to see because I, I think that McKinnon's the better talent of the running back. I always said that McKinnon was going to get hurt at some point and there's going to be a situation where – you know, that's Murray steps in by default and he becomes the guy, but that really hasn't been the case. I think they've just been gravitating towards Murray too. I will say this though, that the Lions actually are top 10 in allowing the most passing yards to the running back spot. And that's something to keep an eye on for McKinnon. Obviously we're seeing Murray get more of the carries, but McKinnon's still a threat kind of in the screen game and such, such like that. I think there's a situation where honestly you could go with both. I'm not going to do it because I really think that Tevin Coleman too at 6,500 is a, is a shoe in play for me. I know. Well, I'm you got him and Abdullah. So between Coleman and Abdullah, where do you lean? Uh, Coleman. I mean, this okay. is, this is hands down. He's, I understand. Like I, I almost wonder if I'm putting too many Falcons in my lineup, like we're setting up for failure here, but 6,500 Coleman is the best talent on this slate, the Monday, Thursday slate. There's no way I want to play, or I don't want to have a lineup without him in it. All right. So there you go. Now let's go over to the Thursday full slate on Thanksgiving. So, We've got Dallas Cowboys. We got the Washington Redskins hosting the Giants. Uh, Cowboys hosting the Chargers, and obviously the Detroit Lions hosting the Minnesota Vikings. So we've already talked about some of these players, but let's get into some of these other ones. Is Kirk Cousins? And he's eighty-eight hundred. He's cheaper than Dak. I gotta say, based on what you were talking about with that Charger pass rush and the problems that Dallas has had on the line, I'm a little concerned. To me. It's Cousins or even Phillip Rivers that my mind goes to on Thanksgiving. On Turkey Day, I think those are the two guys that I think have the biggest return on investment potential. Absolutely. I'm staying away from Dak, especially at 8900 I'm not sure why that he's priced as high as he is, given what we've seen when Tyron Smith is out. Now, I don't know for certain if he will be out Thursday, um, but I'm worried about that pass rush regardless. I think Zeke Elliott out makes a really big difference. I know Alfred Morris got almost 100 yards rushing last night, I think, or close to it. He did okay. But that's a different different dimension overall, and I'm staying away from Prescott. I don't feel great about Cousins at 8,800 either. Again, that feels like a little bit of a trappy situation. It's a primetime game for that Redskins-Giants team. The Giants have been embarrassed for most of the season. They came out to play against the Chiefs team. It's an emotions running high. The only reason I feel a little bit better about Cousins at 8,800 is because it's at Washington. 
I'm still going with Rivers. I think 7,600 against the Dallas defense without Sean Lee, I'm taking that every single day, I think. Yeah, I mean, especially if you do want to go dip your uh, toes into the Keenan Allen water again. You know, if you do believe what you saw, which is all of a sudden, man, this guy's finally healthy, I can understand that spot. I'll tell you what. You know, I think the Giants showed up a little bit at home. I think they had a little, you know, self-respect for themselves, which is great. (laughs) But I don't know if self-respect travels. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think I'm going to lean towards Cousins. And I just think that I'm going back to who's going to be slinging the ball the most. And I think that Kirk Cousins is going to sling the ball the most. I mean, he's he's top three in passing yards this year. I mean, he's he's <laughs> he almost over 5,000 last year. He's got back-to-back 300-yard games. To me, it's trending in that kind of direction. If they can go into New Orleans and play the way they did against that defense – you know, I think that bodes well for Kirk Cousins and company. All right, let's go over to the running back spot. You got Melvin Gordon against the Dallas defense that does not have Sean Lee, as we pointed out. You got P. Ryan coming off a surprisingly good game. Murray back in this mix, Darko Abdullah, McKinnon, and Alfred Morris. Those are your kind of big time usual suspects here. Right off the bat, what's your initial instinct? What are you feeling this week, Joe? Here's my expert fantasy analysis. I kind of like all of the running backs that are kind of available here. The only one that I'm probably trending away from is Darkwaf, and I'm sure that he'll go off for 120 yards and two touchdowns no. or something like that. I, well, I really, if you believe in the game script of that game, that that might be a – you know, Darkwaf has been one of these guys. He's he's 15-75 and 75 every week. I mean, yes. th- and that's great. Like, that's a perfectly fine – he's not going to kill you at 6,400. I mean, that's – that's a two times value almost. It, you know, if he gets to the end zone, it's a bit of a bonus. That's, I don't want to kill Darkwall, but you're right. I mean, he doesn't have the ceiling, I think, that you're looking for out of a guy maybe like a Murray or even a Melvin Gordon, who there's another guy, too, we really didn't mention earlier. You know, 20 for 80, a touchdown. You know, he's, he's been up and down. He's had some great games and some non existent ones. I mean, basically, it's off game script, but I kind of believe in Gordon this week against the Dallas Cowboys. Why wouldn't we at this point? I do too. I think you're going to see some people get cute with Austin Eckler at 5,800. He scored another touchdown this week. I'm telling you, I know that he's getting carries. I know he's getting touchdowns. He's not seeing nearly the production that Gordon is. It's only a matter of time until he's not hitting that points threshold. I'm staying away from it. I know those people are going to say, oh, the Chargers defense really hasn't been that great against the run. It's a different team now that Denzel Perryman is back after the ankle injury that kept him out for the first 11 weeks of the season. I think Alfred Morris is a tougher play at 6,100. I know he's low. Of all the starting running backs, he's very low. I don't feel great about that. I do feel okay about Gordon at 8,400, especially if you're doing the Phillip Rivers, even Stafford at the lower, under 8,000 price at quarterback. I feel okay about Gordon enough where he can get 16 points against that Cowboys defense. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think that Alfred Morris, when you look at, you know, the way that game went yesterday, that was going to be a tough one for him. But 17 for 91, that's what you wanted to see in an Alfred Morris line. The fact that McFadden was a healthy scratch, I think, is a good trend for Alfred Morris. So I could see Alfred Morris being the better cheap, quote-unquote, running back than Austin Eckler because I definitely see what you're saying as well. Uh, and, and the hard part is I think it comes down to on a slate like this, if you're playing in tournaments – to do the multi-entries, you probably want to have a lineup where you went cheap at running back. See, it's not about maximizing the budget so much as like finding the right differentials. You know, I think people are going to spend way too much time worrying about the money and where it fits in and how much they can spend up or down or whatever. But really, it's just having the right combination of guys. And I think you have to pay attention to the Ecklers and Morrises because of that. Because if one or both of them have a big day, all of a sudden that becomes the lineup that that wins out. That becomes the major tournament lineup, the one that has both of them potentially. So if, well, when you have a weird three-game slate like this, isolated on one day, 
that's my best advice for people is to not worry about how much money you leave on the table, not worry about, you know, connecting this person to that person so much is get a couple of the combinations that you think have high ceiling if you're playing tournaments and not worry about anything else. Oh, let's go over to the wide receivers. Adam Thielen, 8,300 in this one. We talked about him uh, earlier. Keenan Allen, we touched on as well. Uh, do, do you have, do you have hope that Keenan Allen can keep up with this volume that we saw this past week? With the I feel targets? uncomfortable about the 8,000 price tag. I really think that Allen's a good play, but I, or I, well, good talent. I should say, I don't feel about great about the play at 8,000. We're asking him to get 16 points. I know he's been getting a lot of the targets. He's of all the receivers for the chargers. It's important differential because Gordon and Eckler get a lot of targets out of the backfield, like much more than the receivers do of the receivers. Allen is far and away getting the most targets. He looks great. He looks quick. He looks agile. He looks explosive. I don't know if I feel great about Rivers targeting him all that often or even getting him downfield. It's going to be a yards after the catch situation. I'd have to look at the numbers, but I'm not sure what the Cowboys do as far as allowing yards after the catch for the receiver spot. I think that they're probably closer to the middle of the pack given their record. I'm not feeling comfortable about Allen at 8,000. If he was even at 7,500, 7,400, that kind of range, I feel a lot better, but it's not not 8,000. All right, now Des Bryant at 74, I think he's right on the borderline there. I think he can be productive, but it's it's one of those spots where if you want to do a Cowboy stack, you know, if if you think that there's opportunity in the short week where there's travel and you you know, you you take what you saw with the Buffalo game and throw it out the window and you say, "Hey, the Chargers have to travel in a short week on the holiday and go into Dallas and the home team temp- typically, you know, tends to be the one that's favored in these games." And all of a sudden, maybe that's a little surprise there. Then I think you go Dak, you go Des Bryant, and you do a Cowboy lineup. Hell, you might even throw Morris in there and just go balls to the wall with a stack there if you can. Uh, Golden Tate, 7,300. I expect Tate to bounce back after the quiet game. You got Tate at 7,300, Marvin Jones at 7K. You know, it's funny. It's like very rarely is it both. It's kind of one or the other. So which way are you going? This week. I'm going I'm going Marvin Jones, and I, right. I believe it's because Xavier Rhodes is going to be covering Golden Tate. I know that Tate gets a lot of use out of the slot. That's where the Lions like to use him, and I don't know if Rhodes likes to move to that area, but they might have to just make accommodations for him. I know Golden Tate is that number one receiver for the Lions, but Rhodes is definitely a number one corner for the Vikings too. So it depends on who's getting matched up where. If Rhodes is on Jones, and that could very well be a possibility, well then I'm definitely going Tate. But I think for right now, at least what we know, I'm going with the Marvin Jones route. All right, now I like Cousins, which means I've got to start playing around with these Washington Redskins guys. There's only means, one to play. There's uh, only one play. Is, is it Vernon Davis? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it is not Vernon Davis. You, you know sure? Are you sure? Well, against, the, oh. against the Giants? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure it's Vernon Davis. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. Okay, uh, so there's two plays. Okay, Vernon go ahead. Davis is one. The other one that I thought you were going to mention because we were talking about receivers, it's Josh Dotson. I mean, this guy, that's the guy to play with Terrell Pryor out, with Chris Thompson out. It's not uh, Samaj P. Ryan. It's Josh Dotson. I love him so much. I think that Redskins offense is finally understanding what kind of talent he has, and I really anticipate this ends up being a sh- uh, coming out party for him against the Giants. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that for sure. Um, yeah, Dotson's definitely trending in the right direction. Uh, Pryor been one of the all-time enormous busts. All right, now let's talk about some dart throws here, okay? Kenny Galladay is a dart throw, 5,800. What do you think? I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. I, Dotson's only 800 uh, above Galladay, so obviously you're going to try to get one of those receivers in there. I really think it's between those two because I'm not touching Crowder. I'm definitely not going to be touching Travis Benjamin, especially after his abdomen injury on Sunday. I think as a dart throw, that works. That's a tournament play, though, right? That's not a cash Yeah. Play. Oh, yeah. And here's another tournament play, Ryan Grant. 
5,200. Yeah, Again, here, this is, these are the kind of things where, you know, you see the big names like Des Bryant and stuff like that. But the problem is if he doesn't have a good, it's, it's <laughs> the pay lines completely move on the Ryan Grant's and Kenny Galladay's of the world. Those are the guys that, that end up making a difference on this kind of three game isolated slate. So basically you got to have the right one. And I think you have to be willing to play multi-entry tournaments, even if you're a single tournament kind of, you know, player, I think you have to seriously consider that because it's these one-offs that make the difference on these kind of games historically. So, you know, and then it's what makes it a challenge. If you don't want to play and you don't like that kind of feel for it, then by all means don't do it. But to me, it's Grant, it's Galladay. I think I'd be shocked if the winning tournament lineup didn't have one of those kind of guys, if okay. not one of those exact guys in it. Um, Tyrell Williams, think- that's the one, that's my dart throw then if we're going to be doing that. If you don't want to do the Keenan Allen route, if I talk to you off of that, given his 8000 price, Tyrell Williams is still getting a lot of snaps. I know that Mike Williams is around that number seven overall pick from Clemson. I think Tyrell Williams, all you need is a touchdown, basically. I mean, he, you're, he's 5,100. He's lower than Ryan Grant. He's lower than Galladay. I feel pretty good against the Cowboys team that allows top 10 most uh, passing yards to the wide receiver spot. Yeah, I hear you. All right, let's go over to the tight ends. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, Vernon Davis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, because look, Evan Ingram is expensive at 76, but he's worth it. I mean, Evan Ingram is is getting what you want. I know last, you know, on Sunday it was not the best spot there. He had six targets, just one catch, not great. But really, Sterling Shepard being out for that game kind of really killed him. I mean, he literally was the only guy. <laughs> on the field so I, I think that's you know part of the reason but up until then he's been one of the steadiest guys double digits every week so you're fine playing Evan Ingram I don't think it's a problem uh keep an eye on Sterling Shepard how he plays if he's out again then I would fade away from Ingram but Vernon Davis the ownership will be high Witten and Rudolph Ebron and Henry make a case for any of these four guys here on another one of these one-offs is it a guy like Hunter Henry against Dallas because he's the cheapest of them, or is it a Jason Witten who, you know, uh, you know, he's still a part of this offense, you know, for, you know, better or worse, you go through and there's weeks where he has that one target, but then there's weeks where he has seven or 10. I think if I, I don't feel great about Hunter Henry and I I've been high in the Chargers offense as a whole, but I don't feel confident about him turning it around this week. I would say Witten, but the Chargers allow the second fewest passing yards to the tight end spot. The only reason I think Witten maybe is because, all right, they're getting a ton of pass rusher, pass rush from Gordon, from Bosa, just check it down to Witten. He'll get that five or six yards and a catch and boom, you know, after four of those, he's got close to what you need for the value. I actually think it's a Kyle Rudolph game. If we believe the Vikings are going to win or if it's going to be a close game, they're going to have to pass to do that. I think that the only way they're going to do it is to pass. If Adam Thielen is shut down, if Stephon Diggs is kind of still limited by the injury, it ends up being Kyle Rudolph as the guy who's going to be targeted. If anything else, it's a touchdown kind of game for him. And I think that's where at 5,800, if you don't want to do Vernon Davis and you don't want to do Evan Ingram, which I think is a mistake, but if you don't want to do either of those guys, I roll with Kevin Ruff as my third tight end. Well, we're going to make it easy for you here. Just just start Vernon Davis against the Giants. Yes. Just, just yes. do it. That's, that's 100% Owens <laughs> rate. Don't do anything else. You're over. Every lineup begins and ends with that man right there. All right, uh, Joe, before we let you out of here, uh, defense, pick a defense for me. Give me the D on Thanksgiving you like the most. Chargers at 4,200, we saw what they could do against a, a really, really good rookie that apparently is much better than Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I think that I think that 4,200, especially if Tyron Smith is out again, you're expecting to get two or three sacks at minimum from that defense, and that's without any of the turnovers that could come along with it. Give me Chargers at 4,200 against the Cowboys. All right, last but not least, Joe, 
the Thanksgiving games, do you like that it's always the Cowboys and always Detroit? Or do you, do you think that it's, it's time to maybe flip around with their tradition? Or is this exactly what the NFL needs to lean on the old traditions and the old guard a little bit, especially with the fan bases being a little up in arms this year about a lot of different topics? The last thing we need to do is lean on Jerry Jones and the Cowboys for anything, <laughs> anything in the NFL. And as a Packers fan, I am very, very tired of watching the Lions do their thing on Thanksgiving too. So give me any other team, maybe besides the Browns, and I'll be much happier on Turkey Day. I promise you. Over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus Free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, void where prohibited. All right, you can follow him at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at Joe Pisa, PS17. For Joe Bartle and everybody here at Rotowire, have a great Thanksgiving and a great week of Daily Fantasy.